1: About a year and a half ago, in June, my brother and I were driving back from Ely, Nevada to Las Vegas. If you know Nevada, you understand how sparsely populated the state is outside of Reno, Carson City, and Las Vegas. So, we are about an hour or so into the drive when we realized we can't make it back without falling asleep as it was already pretty late at night. We agreed to stop at a hotel for the night, and we came to a town called King. I have never heard of King Nevada, nor have I found anything about it since, no matter what I look up or ask. It looked like one of those old western movie towns where it's one road with little buildings on each side. All there really is of note is the hotel we stayed at, called King Hotel, and a McDonald's. The few other buildings didn't seem worth more. We have not seen anyone or any cars while driving into the town. We go into the hotel and see the only person we ever see in this place the single clerk at the front desk. We get our room key. And go straight to bed we are awoken by talking outside of what we assume was around 8 o'clock because when we woke up we realized there was no clock in the room in fact there is only beds, toilet, shower and a sink not even a dresser or a TV we go outside to leave and the hotel clerk isn't there to check us out so we leave our key at the desk no one else was inside the hotel, or outside. We still haven't figured out where the talking came from. We go to McDonald's to eat, however, to drive-thru only. We order our McMuffins at the drive-thru, then round the corner to pay and get our food at the next window. We see the bag already sitting on the shelf outside the window, with the window closed dark. We get our food and leave without paying. We didn't want to stick around anymore. We were honestly getting a bit scared at this point. We had no cell service and we don't even remember arriving there. We just remember suddenly finding ourselves in that town. I was reminded of this because a few hours ago I read a green text about a similar experience someone had in Utah. We only saw one person there, the hotel attendant, and we drove about in half an hour before we saw any road signs again. He and I remember it exactly the same, so, so I don't think we hallucinated or anything. But if you all know what happened here, please share. Because I'm still unsure of where we were or what exactly happened that night. What do you all think happened here? Do you all think that the pair experienced a true ghost town? Or was it just a shared dream or hallucination? Or it could have been possible that it was a façade town created by the government or maybe a criminal organization for unknown purposes. I think it's so weird that they came across the hotel clerk and nobody else, at least visually. Apparently when a poster did get to the drive-thru of the McDonald's, they heard a strange voice taking their order that seemed to be coming from a person. With not such great customer service. No good mornings or hellos. The person just took their order and that was that. However, they never saw the person when they pulled up to the window. Weirdly, I'm still curious as to if those McMuffins actually tasted like the real thing, or if they were straight off the grill. Because if I ate one ice cold, I would have thrown it out the window. Someone in the comment section did ask whether the poster could find the town on Google Earth, to which they said no. Other curious Redditors also asked if they could track the payment down, to which the poster did say that the charge was on their bank statement. Perhaps they could look deeper into that charge to find the actual hotel. Apparently there are many towns that travelers in Nevada run into, That are seemingly unheard of. Who knows, maybe you could have driven past one and never thought twice about it. This next story is about a girl who has a friend who doesn't quite understand the negative implications of pretending to be older and meeting men off the internet. Stick around for this next creepy tale. To start this off, I'd like to give a bit of context. This happened about four years ago. I'm a girl and at the time this happened I was 12 going on 13 in just a month or two. The friend I mention in this story is also female and was 14 at the time. The friend Sally, who I was staying with that night, was quite a bit older than me as you could see. At least at the time, the two-year age gap was quite big. At 12 to 13 years old, I was about to start my second year of middle school, whereas Sally was about to begin her sophomore year of high school. I met her in the beginning of my first year at a new school, and she was quite older than the other kids in our grade and was considered one of the popular kids. And I think that was what drew me to her at first. We became fast friends and before we knew it, we were spending every single weekend together. Seriously, every single weekend. Nothing seemed to be out of the ordinary. It was your typical Friday night. We carpooled to our family's apartment after school. I've always been a picky eater, so when our family had dinner, I didn't eat with them. I just snacked on the Pop-Tart that I stowed away in my backpack, in case they ordered something I wouldn't eat. Something to note is that her family was pretty religious. I wouldn't go as far as to say they were fanatics, but they didn't allow their kids to watch horror movies or anything that was rated PG-13 or older. Sally's mother had an irrational fear that scary movies had satanic messages. We asked to watch The Purge, and her mom obviously said no. After some negotiating, she agreed to let us watch Hunger Games instead. After the movie, Sally and I went to hang out in her room. She put on some music, and and being the age we were, we gave each other makeovers. By the end of it, we were looking much older than just 12 and 14. This part of the night is when things start to seem off to me. Sally wasn't the most positive influence. Despite being my best friend at the time, she was manipulative and got off on putting me down. She had a habit of talking to men online and lying about her age. Sally showed me some messages between her and the men she was talking to. I can't give you an exact recount of them, but... They consisted of him trying to convince her to meet up with him, and just the usual things you would expect from a creep online. According to him, he was 19, tall, and blonde with soulful blue eyes. Once I saw the text messages, I asked if she had a picture of him, and something didn't seem right with me. After seeing the messages, She showed me what he looked like, and he was very clearly not nineteen years old. This man was at least forty, and looked like he had lived in his mother's basement. Then we got a call from him. Sally answered without hesitation, and when I heard the voice on the other end of the call, I felt like I was going to be sick. You're so pretty, why don't you come meet me? He asked. Sally said she couldn't, because she was spending the night with her friend. The mention of that sparked his interest, and then he proceeded to try and ask us both to meet him. Sally, lacking any common sense, said yes, thus begun her plan to sneak us out and walk 15 blocks to meet him in a deserted McDonald's parking lot. I didn't want to go. I was raised on stories of what happens to teen girls who meet random men from the internet in person, but after adamant pleading from Sally that she didn't feel safe going by herself, I agreed. We took our phones with us and went for a walk. I had a kitchen knife stuffed in my bra in case something were to happen and I needed to defend myself. The route we had taken to get there didn't have many street lamps and there weren't any houses. When we got to the parking lot, the only car parked nearby was a black beat-up 2000 Toyota Corolla. The car was still running when we got there and from what we could tell, there was more than one person inside. The men from the picture got out of the front passenger seat and left the door open behind him before approaching us. I turned my flash on so I could see, and he was obviously on something. I can't tell you what kind of drug it was for the life of me, but his eyes were so wide that they looked like they were about to pop out of his head. He was jittery and kept twitching. I became very conscious of how big he was. It was maybe 6'2", around 280 pounds. For reference, my friend and I did not look our ages, even without makeup. I'm about 5'2". My friend was pretty tall, maybe around 5'6", 5'7". We were both significantly smaller than him. The man reached out for us and caught my friend by the arm. I went to get my knife as quickly as I could and that's when I saw his friends getting out of the car. He invited us back to his car and offered us booze and drugs. But after seeing my knife and that I was ready to call the police, he released my friend. I took Sally's arm and ran faster than I ever had in my entire life. We took the long way home to avoid them finding out where she lived in case they were following us. Once we got there her family was still sound asleep we locked all the doors closed the blinds and blocked him on everything there wouldn't be any sleeping that night we were constantly peeking out of the window and to our dismay that same toyota was circling around her apartment building not once not twice but three times i never mentioned any of this to my parents out of fear of getting grounded or in trouble. I'm 16 now, and they still have no clue. I still get nervous whenever I see a car similar to the one from that night. And as for Sally, her parents never found out either. We agreed to never speak about it again. Thankfully, she moved into a new house just a few weeks after that happened safe to say sally and i haven't spoken in three years she was pissed at me for ruining her night and our friendship didn't last for long after that we had a pretty bad falling out but looking back on it now it was definitely for the better so to sally thank you for teaching me a very valuable lesson and for making me realize that some people are best just left alone And to the man and his friends who tried to prey upon two young girls, let's not ever meet again. This story is a good reminder that meeting anyone online can be dangerous, especially if you are underage. A lot of perverts who pretend to be younger than they actually are, looking to take advantage of victims who appear to look young but are in fact pretending to be older. If you have children in their young teens, please educate them about the dangers of meeting anyone online. With the way our world is going, meeting people online is becoming more and more common, and it is also becoming a better gateway for creeps. Such as the men in the story to easily target younger people. These creeps will go all out to lure these children by promising expensive gifts, buying them things online, or promising to take them somewhere fun like Disneyland. It's sad, but these things happen, and it's important that children are able to be monitored by their parents to prevent things like this from happening. If you are someone who is underage and chooses to meet up with someone online, please think twice about it, don't rush into it and look for any red flags. I personally would not recommend any underage person to meet anyone online, but like I said earlier, we are in a different time where people are more likely to meet off the internet rather than back in my day where you actually had to go up to someone and get their number in person. Just be careful and And don't be so quick to just meet anybody, make sure they're real and never go by yourself the first time. This next story will bring us back to the woods for yet another tale. This story involves four boys who decide to go on a risky adventure in the woods at 2.30 AM during the dead of night, an adventure they will never forget. Me and some of my buddies used to go to this place called Profile Rock in Freetown, Massachusetts, late at night sometimes 2-3 in the morning. One night during the summer, i go to Profile Rock with three of my friends at 2.30am just to mess around and explore. Now, I didn't know this at the time but Profile Rock and the area we were in is part of an area called the Bridgewater Triangle which is a site of alleged paranormal activities and is also one of the most haunted areas in the state I live in. Continuing on, we climbed Profile Rock itself and stayed on top of it for maybe... uh... three to four hours. We all decided to leave. Now, as you're leaving Profile Rock, you have to go down this long path that's about two miles long get back to where we parked our car two of my friends are walking about 20 to 30 feet in front of me and my other friend now i'll never know why i turned around i didn't have a feeling like someone was watching us i just simply turned around because besides the moonlight shining through the trees in certain areas we only had our flashlights on our cell phones to make our way around I remember turning around and seeing someone running at us from about a 100 feet away, full speed. What threw me off wasn't that they were running at us, it was how they were running. You know how a zombie walks in a horror movie, dragging one of its legs almost limping? That's how this someone was running at us. At first, I didn't say anything. and possibly assumed it was one of my friends or someone that was already in the area who got injured and needed assistance until this someone made it to an area of the path where the moonlight reached the trees and gave them some perspective what i saw still chokes me up to this day you ever see a child try to draw a person how they make a stick figure most of the time That's exactly how this someone looked. I caught maybe a 10 second glance as it was running under the moonlight lit trees, but I saw no distinguishable facial features, no eyes, no mouth, and no ears. Its arms and legs looked like that of an extremely malnourished person, only completely black, and it didn't look like skin or any type of clothing from what I could see. I almost can't even describe it, to be honest, and you could blatantly tell it wasn't a mask or any of those Halloween blacked out suits. I recall calling out to my friend in a panicked voice who was walking with me, who was now maybe 10 feet ahead of myself. I shined my cell phone light on him as he was looking where I was just looking, and I could tell right away from his facial expression that I wasn't seeing things. It was now maybe 40 feet away from us if that was almost the same distance as our friends were in front of us. And me and my friend just took flight and started running. My two other friends in front of us asked, What's wrong? And I replied, Just run! And all four of us jetted for our car. I remember taking a glance back as we were running and there was nothing there, even though whatever was chasing us would certainly be on our tails by now. We all hopped in the car, and my friend who was walking with me yells, Dude, tell me you seen that! What the fuck was that? I told him I seen the same thing. I asked him to describe to all of us what he saw, and he described literally the exact same thing I witnessed. By now my other two friends are thinking we were joking around or messing with them, until my friend who was walking with me swore on his father who just passed away not even a month ago that he's telling the truth. I was kind of frustrated to be honest, because I couldn't believe my other two friends didn't see it as they turned around to question why we were running in the first place, but it doesn't matter now. We actually went back there with a few more people the next day, and witnessed nothing, of course. I'll never know what it was, or who it was, or what it wanted, but I know one thing. There's no way in hell two people both imagined seeing some stick figure spectre in the woods.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place.
1: What in the world do you all think that was? A little background about the Bridgewater Triangle, which its name is sort of inspired by the Bermuda's Triangle. The place is known to host a large set of weird sightings, including zombies, gatherings of satanic cults, ghosts, UFOs, and even Bigfoot. It's the Pandora's box, according to one folklorist. Several notable places in the Bridgewater Triangle include the infamous Hackamock Swamp, which people have experienced weird and unexplained balls of light floating around the swamp. There's even a story of a red-headed hitchhiker who roams Route 44, who rocks a plaid flannel shirt and jeans, who is known to get into people's cars and then mysteriously disappear into thin air. There are all sorts of books and websites dedicated to this place, and it could be a great place to visit if you are a skeptic and want to explore the unknown. Going back to the story, it's terrifying to even know that during the three to four hours they were out there, they were not alone. I wonder what would have happened had the boys not ran and let the figure get closer. But to be honest... I'm really glad they didn't because who knows what this entity's intentions could have been or if it would have ended up physically hurting them if it did get that close. According to several posters, there have been many stories about these weird stick figure entities in which one Redditor connected it to an Indian legend explaining how these figures are often seen in the Blackfeet Indian Reservation in Montana, even recounting about a story involving his cousin who was sleeping in a trailer one night with his friend who was sleeping in a nearby bunk. His cousin would wake up in the dead of the night to see his friend being dragged off his bunk by his legs by a stick man. His friend woke up, they both freaked the hell out and ran out of the trailer. Not sure how true that story is, but I definitely cringe just imagining this stick figure popping up in the middle of the night, and that would surely keep me from sleeping if I was to ever camp out in the woods. I am now going to transition to the last story, which will come from a caller who sent me a really interesting story about her experiences living in a house in Aurora, Colorado. This call is longer than my usual call-in, so I saved it for last, but I think you will all enjoy it, as it has a lot of things that happen. I want to give another big thanks to this caller, and also shout out Creepy Podsta, the Creepy Pasta podcast, who actually recommended my podcast to her. Make sure you all check them out as well, and when you do check them out, tell them that I sent you, and give them a big thanks for mentioning me. I hope you all enjoy this story.
0: Hello, man, Mike. My name is Ray. Um, this story is going to be called just simply Aurora. It's one of my favorite words. Um, I lived in Aurora, Colorado, and, um between the ending of or the beginning of see, the ending of 2013 to 2015. Uh, But this took place um, in 2013, 14. I moved there to help a old uh, ex-friend, we are no longer friends, um, with a business. Uh, We were living, the house that they were living in, when I first went to visit, um, I was just there for a a week or so and um the house was the house in itself was a messy house you know there was three teenagers living there four cats and uh both of my friends at the time and uh, the house was just kind of you know lived in of course uh but definitely a, a nice house i liked it and it had a lot of potential um so some months later i moved there and um I would say at the beginning, it didn't seem it started to feel like it was it was off to me. There was some some off putting connections between my friends and I just, you know, who's cleaning the house, who's cleaning the dishes and all this kind of stuff. And when I moved there, I wasn't working. Um, I didn't transfer with a job or anything. I was supposed to go there and work my friend with her business and she would pay me. Um, the decision to, to balance, uh, the pay, all of this is relevant. Um, the, the decision to, to balance what she would pay me versus what I would be paying for a living, uh, was up to her. Um, I gave her all, um, rights to decide what she wanted to pay me because I wasn't paying rent. I wasn't paying any bills. And so I was okay with that. Um, eventually I did find a job. And I enjoyed uh, working in my job. Um, And actually, eventually, I found two jobs. I was part-time at both and uh, became full-time at one later on. Um, So the relevance to this is what happened before I had to make the decision to move out. So when I did live there, there were some things that I was experiencing um, in the room that I was staying in, my bedroom. Um, and more so in my bedroom than anywhere in the else in the house, uh, my laptop would go on and off, um, like shut completely down and reboot. Um, and granted my, my laptop wasn't the best laptop, but it did that quite often. I consider myself and have always been since I was a child, a very spiritual connected person. Um, I have seen spirits as a child. I have, um, um, Giving messages to the living from people who have passed on um, as a youth, as someone younger. I I would say it started to fade away more so in my late, mid to late 20s and as I am now currently in my early 40s. Um, It's not as um, intense as it used to be and as intense, by saying intense I mean uh, as prevalent Uh, Before it was very, very noticeable, immediate, and I could sense, feel, and or see things uh, more so. So, of course, when I lived there, I was in my early 30s. And it wasn't off, completely off, because like I said, I could tell that there was something going on on the lands in which that house was placed. On the lands, in general, of that whole neighborhood. So I began to do some research after certain things started happening in the house. Um, the water faucet in the bathroom would be would come on and they would go off. Um, you couldn't necessarily see it. I've never saw it coming on. Like I never touched it, but I knew then that the kids weren't around or nobody else could have been in the house but me. Or um, at one point when I was working uh, the business, the, the business that it was um, that I was helping a friend with was a skincare um business and one day when i was working in the kitchen i heard someone running up and down the stairs and i knew specifically that the kids weren't there because they were at school um nobody else was in the home and it was just me and the animals but this running up and down wasn't dogs they weren't cats it was it was the the feet of a child i can definitely tell it was a child and so i stood at the top of the stairs the the um bottom of the stairs went and led into the basement the basement was where the girls rooms were the oldest eldest girls and uh, the laundry room was down there and uh, I stood at the top and I was like everything okay and they ascended back up and I said as long as everything's okay like my music isn't too loud because I was listening to music as I was working Is, is my music bothering you is it is it too much you let me know you know, if you turn the music off, I respect what's happening. Uh, how I feel about spirits um, and spaces is that you cannot, you cannot, as well as you should not, tell a spirit that a land or a house is yours. Whether you've moved in it and occupied it and now occupying it or not, don't ever do that. It's not respectful. Um You want to try to find a balance if it's possible. And if it's not possible, sometimes you just need to move along. And that's okay. I mean, it needs to be what it needs to be. But never go into a home, never go onto a land um, and and tell a spirit that something belongs to you. Because clearly, especially as you will find out, um, in situations sometimes that has already occurred to them. That has already happened to them. And so now it's just happening again. And this is how this story goes. So um, there was no uh, disapprovement of the music. And, you know, this child, which um, one of the kids, if I'm not mistaken, said that they, they heard a little girl once before um, um, laughing. And so I assumed that it was a child. The, the energy that I was getting was a child. And I'm really great with kids. I am actually a teacher Uh, Sometimes I'm not teaching now, but um, my field is within education as well. And so, of course, there was a balance for us. I was uh, accepted and kind of went on that way. Um, But as things started to progress uh, energy wise, um, my friends uh, um, were having issues in their relationship and that was leaking over into the connections that we were having in the home as a family. Um, and this is when it fully began. So I used to tell my friend that all the time that you can't. I had started doing all this research anyway about the land. And the land in which we live specifically used to be the home and land of the of indigenous. Um, I can't specifically remember the tribe right now. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Um, however, it was land stretched up, on to, up to Arapaho. An indigenous name. Let's just be very clear about these names. There are a lot of street names and cities that you would go to. Colorado is very, very big on it. Texas is very big on it. Michigan is very big on it. When you hear these names, these are indigenous peoples. We must respect that it is very crucial very crucial that we do so up um uh, up the road was Arapahoe and um, and within that area there was a huge uh, indigenous community a, a huge indigenous tribe and so the land in which our neighborhood was on um, was completely engulfed by indigenous and so um the land specifically of our house the backyard it didn't really grow anything we had two shrubbery type trees back there and they were they were pretty i would say they were full um in the warmer climates and in warmer seasons and during of course the winter time they weren't full but they were the only thing that grew there there was no grass back in our in the backyard grass would not, it was just, it was like a desert in our backyard. However, our neighbors have full grass in their backyards. Um, and, uh, that was one sign, one of the signs for me. Um, so one day we were sitting out, uh, my friends and I, and some friends who had come over and we were sitting out in the front yard and we were, uh, talking and, uh, some kids were down in, in the basement, and then uh, the, one of the kids was in the backyard playing with the dog. Had a pit bull and a chihuahua. And uh, the chihuahua was just, she was a yappy dog, um, just very yappy. And um, didn't particularly care for the pit bull running around and playing. The pit bull was a very, very sweet animal, very kind-hearted Um very beautiful dog, very beautiful spirit, and grabbed a hold to the dog of the Chihuahua because the Chihuahua looked like he was playing for the first time she was playing with the pit, never played and she got so excited according to what the the daughter said, and grabbed a hold of the Chihuahua and broke her back. Um, it was a very telling thing um, for that. That moment, and although it sounds just like a, a you know regular the dog killed another dog, I'm, I'm certain it, it wasn't meant that way, um, but it was the first step. So um, that situation was taken care of. Of course, sadly, um, the puppy had to be put to sleep, um, and uh, things started to happen. So sometime later, the same pit bull got these huge cysts on her throat, three of them specifically, and I knew, I knew, that they were specifically for each daughter. Things were happening in the house. Uh, the energy and and relationship intensity of my friend's relationship, personal relationship, was intensifying. Uh, it was causing issues with me as well, um, health-wise. So at first, these cysts on the dogs on the dogs' neck or throat um, were just kind of. I would say um, golf ball sized at first around that time. um, We had all uh, collectively decided that we needed someone to come to the house and clear it. Um, One of my friends knew of someone and uh, she came to clear the house. This is what she said when she came there. Her mother came to drop her off. Um, It was her her mother and her daughter in the backseat. She said when her mother turned the corner to come up our street, she immediately started crying. Not like boo-hoo, sorry, just a gentle crying. And she said she couldn't pull the car into the driveway because she couldn't come onto the lands. Of course, when the woman came in to clear our home, she said she felt it as soon as she got closer and closer to the door. Um, she came in and she said some things. She told us some things to do, some rituals to Things to do. Um, the continuation of reminding spirits that, and I did this often without anybody telling me because, like I said, I was used to this, i used to spirits. And I would always say, I understand, but we have to live here currently. We don't have the funds right now to move. So if it is okay with you, we just want to uh, coexist. Um, with you I said this often in my room in my room with my door closed this is how I spoke to the spirits loud it was never something I was ashamed of or hid I wasn't scared I wasn't embarrassed it was just something that needed to be respected Um, so anyway when the woman came and she kind of cleared our house um, we all pitched in to to pay her um, for her services and I even at the time, I was a candle maker as well in, in addition to the skincare. And so I made her some candles. Um, I'm very certain now that she didn't keep them. Um, I contact her a couple of times just to ask her if you know the scents were good and, and again to thank her for what she did, but she never responded to me. And a lot of times you have to cut ties um, with energy because you don't want to take that back to your home. Like I did to a family per this situation, um, so she never contacted um, and again, things just got worse, so I could be kind of tweaking outside of the timeline with the with the dog and the sis, but I think that this happened the second time because we had two two people come to clear the house, two different people, a, a younger woman. Who may have been in her late twenties, and then an older woman who may have been in her early forties, or maybe not even her 40s. She could have been older than uh, than that. But one at one point, one of these persons were there, and the cyst on the dog's neck exploded. Um, it wasn't. There was a little blood there, but it was more just fluid. Um, I should have let you know that this may sound. Um, gory type, but it wasn't that situation. It it was just fluid and and we uh, bandaged it up and um, I think they took her to the vet and uh, everything was fine. She just had the cyst, made sure that it didn't get infected. We had to put um, some essential oils on her to just kind of keep energy-wise things balanced. And again, like I said, these these cysts, they exploded on their own. They just did a thing. Anyway, continuing on. So I was there for the first person to come and attempt to clear the home. Um, There was a situation one night in the house, and it was was really bad. Um, I was hearing people talking from the basement and it wasn't the kids. It was a more raspier type of male voice. It wasn't very clear uh, orally what this person or verbally what this person was stating or this spirit was stating. But what I felt was that I needed to step aside. Um, I, it, I told, I was told that this was not my fight not my battle it wasn't with me and I stood in the center of the bedroom and I said I can't do it because this is my family it is the first time the first time I have ever encountered I had ever encountered in my life with a spirit negative energy I took this energy for two years with me after this situation and I know it I own it. Um, I felt bad about it. But I was trying to protect people that I thought was my family. I'm sorry I might get a little choked up. but um, Because I cared for them. One of these people I'm actually still very good friends with. Uh, The other I am absolutely not. Um, She was the one that was really hell-bent on... The house belonging to her. This land is mine. I remember once she was yelling at the top of her that This is my house. This is my house. And I'm like, will you not? Don't do that when I'm around you. Like real shit. Don't. Because I don't want that kind of energy. Um, This land doesn't belong to me. This land will never belong to me. Even if I purchase land in my life, it does not belong to me. It doesn't. It was here before I am. It will be here long after I am. It doesn't belong to me, it doesn't belong to us. That's not how it works. Anyway, so, because I had said that, I had had made a stance. Um, Sometime later, um, we had the second person come in to clear the house. I wasn't there for for her visit, Um, I was working. But I was told, per the friend that I am currently still friends with, that this older woman said as she walked each, she walked in each room, just like the other woman did. And uh, she, w- my room was the second room that she went to. Um, there was a the living room. You walk in, you turn to the right, you go down the hall. First door to the left is the bathroom. Or actually kind of almost exactly across the hall from from the bathroom was my room. Um, and the door was closed. I kept my door closed all the time because I, I, I too had a cat. And I had to give my cat to someone else because the energy in the house was just rampant it was it was just crazy um so and and one of the other cats was picking on my cat all the time. My cat is a gentle so um very gentle so um her name was red capital r e a d period for specific reasons um a a reborn Cat, a spirit that came back into a cat, and I had the privilege of being its owner at one point. Um. Anyway, so my door was closed, and when the the woman passed my room or came to my room, she said, "Tell the person who sleeps in this room that they must cut the cords from their back." Um. Which I was interpreted to me to mean that I needed to let go, that I couldn't save them, that I couldn't save the other friend that I was trying to to help, that it wasn't up to me. And at this particular point of, of things going on and how things were being led and said, this friend, who was a white person, was claiming land from an indigenous person. I need you all to who grasp the thoughts around it. And I know that that could offend some people, but it's not intended to offend. It's intended to educate. Here it is, a white person is telling an indigenous spirit that a house and a land belongs to them twice. You cannot do that. The woman who came to clear a house was also indigenous. Um... And she said that the person in this bedroom, which was my room, um, is safe, but they have to cut those cords, they have to. And I didn't, two years. Two years so that that energy followed and stuck with me and I took it to a family and caused a lot of health issues in the family. Um, There was a woman who was a body talk therapist She read the energy aura of your body. Um, Just kind of listened to things going on in your body. Um, Kind of more holistic. And uh, I had been going to her home because she had great energy. And this was before everything started to get super crazy at the house. And I used to watch her kids and play with her kids and her dog. And she's just like, I love you. You're like the black um, snow white. (laughs) You're like the black snow white she's just like you when you come around the kids and the animals flock to you she said i've i've watched it i've watched animals come up the street flock to you and i said i guess so and she said you have really good energy but at the same time my energy was also been overtaken by something i refused to let go of and would have let go of me had i listened um so sometime later of course she can no longer see me because she was also seeing my other two friends. You know, I was introduced to her um, through them. And she was also doing body talk therapy with them. And so she was like, we need to work on our, our stuff, basically. And so she couldn't see us anymore. Um, and eventually, um, she was going through some stuff, personal stuff with her home. Um, her house had become infested with black mold. Um their landlord refused to let them move out or tear the house down or even try to take care of it. Everyone in the house eventually became really sick and she had also had a new baby. I think that energy came from us. And if at some point ever somehow in life she hears this, I am sorry. I truly am, and I wish to apologize, and I have uh, to those spirits as well. I should have listened. I wasn't trying to be defiant. I was trying to protect people I thought was my family. I was trying to protect the kids. I was trying to protect the animals. Um. Um. So eventually, I, I did move. I moved out because um, there was a huge argument between my two friends and, and that included, I had to, in, to put myself in it because my name was brought up in their personal business and I thought that that was unnecessary because I had nothing to do with their immediate personal intimate life. And so um, once that situation happened, and I'm not a dramatic drama person, I don't like it. Um, once that situation happened, I moved out the next day. Um, I moved in with a co-teacher, um, who was like a mother. And eventually I started to come onto my own. Um, it was the first time I'd ever lived in a state that snowed. I'd never been around snow. So I had to start developing my own or redeveloping my own energy. Um, I would say Colorado is a beautiful place for connecting to spirits. Um, when I lived there, there was a huge portal open, huge portal open um and not all just that experience that I had were were was bad. I had some beautiful experiences there, but they were fleeting because I, at the same time I was still trying to cut those cords they had grown stronger and stronger because I chose not to do so immediately um So I spent a lot of time with myself there. I had um, no connection to one of my friends at the time. I was just allowing everybody to do their own thing. And I had no friends there. I had uh, acquaintances and coworkers. Um, I spent a a lot of time by myself. And I know in some retrospect and aspect now that it was very necessary because I still had something attached to me. And I needed it to let go as well. And I needed to let go of it. Um, but that's just one of the experiences. And I, I think I kind of related the best that I could. It was kind of choppy. Um, but the the most thing or the most prominent thing, the most two prominent things that stood out for me was uh, the woman telling me that I was safe and I was protected if I did such a such a thing that I didn't do. And the other thing was the, the uh, cyst on the, the three cyst on the dog's uh, neck that exploded, or uh, uh, ruptured immediately after the first woman came to clear the house. Um, like soon as she walked out the door, they ruptured in the living room. We had to get a, a towel. It was a shirt on the on the sofa and put it on on her neck and and take her to the backyard. to to let it uh, and it was I mean it was flowing like water coming out of her neck and like I said there was no no arteries nothing major hurt she wasn't hurt um um she didn't seem like she was in pain um it was just there and not odd but odd at the same time um I have more stories um Uh, most of them occurred before this time. Of course, as I said, when I was younger, these things were much more uh, easier for me, I guess. I wouldn't say, I don't know if it's easier. I just was more present to them. I think as I've gotten older, um, a lot of static has, um, I have allowed a lot more static to, to come into my head. And static as in politics. Um, static as an outside um, disruptions, um, you know, even the current static of a pandemic, you know, it it kind of gets in the way of those spiritual connections. And for me, actual spiritual connections are very important. Um, they help guide me um, as to my purpose, and. Um, thanks uh the show is awesome like i said i was looking for i was up we normally listen to podcasts at night and i probably don't know i mean i don't know why we do that but we listen to podcasts at night sometimes some scary ones sometimes true crime and i was looking for something different than what we normally listen to something supernatural ghost stories and I stumbled upon someone else and it might have been creepypasta. And anyway, they mentioned you. I heard your voice and I said, this is a person uh, of either uh, African, Black, uh, Latinx, or Indigenous, um, possibly heritage. And I thought that was a beautiful thing because I don't hear... A lot of that, um, I don't hear those types of people t- telling types of stories that you tell um, or share uh, supernatural. I would love to hear more supernatural stories and, and, and or ghost stories, uh, fiction, but more truthful stories from people uh, of those uh, um, heritage and culture. I think that, um, that we become more in tune with our past um, Mm -hmm. when we talk about Mm -hmm. and acknowledge those things Mm -hmm. anyway um, Mm -hmm. I hope to be in contact and share more stories peace
1: that was such a well told story I still can't get over how the cyst on the dog immediately exploded right after the first cleansing lady left. I also thought it was really unsettling how the mom who turned the corner on their street, who brought the second cleansing lady, immediately felt the energy of the spirits on the land. So much so, she didn't want to leave the car. I want to thank this caller again for taking the time to tell this story. I didn't want to edit it too much. I rather would have left it mostly how it already was, so that you all can hear all the details and and the emotion of what happened in that house.